Welcome to a special series of the Talking Writing Podcast exploring my project, Weird Music. I'm John Vogel, TW's Art Director. The theme for this episode is side projects. Most musicians have many different groups that they play with, and obviously, it's rare that groups last for the entirety of a musician's life. So as some fall away, others arise. A lot of the time, a specific group is the main focus, and other projects are done in members' downtime. In fact, Weird Music has always been a side project and has only become my main artistic focus over the last few years. All of the musicians interviewed have many different artistic projects, and the following is not in any way exhaustive. Many of the artists here have also worked on each other's projects. Drew Daniel and Martin Schmidt of Matmos both release music as solo artists. Drew under the name The Soft Pink Truth and Martin as MC Schmidt. They've also both collaborated with many other artists, including contributing to Bjork's albums Vespertine and Medulla, and co-creating the album Treasure State with the percussion quartet So Percussion. For a long time, Chess Smith was a contributing member of the band Juju. He has played in many ensembles, including his own quartet, which recently gained Bill Frizzell, and a solo project of drums, vibes, and electronics called Kongs for Brums. Big A Little A's John Atkinson has released more than a dozen albums, most as a solo artist, some in collaboration, and one from his duo East Portal. In addition to XBXRX, Vice Cooler and Steve Touchton also played in the band Kit, and Vice has solo music in his project Hane Truth. Steve Touchton also has solo stuff out there, and one of my favorite weird music-associated recordings is Swaps a project that Steve made with Chess Smith and Deerhoof's two guitarists. Greg Jamie from Odeth has a duo called Blood Warrior and a solo album from 2018. Man Man has had many different members, and all of them have other bands. Ryan Katner is the founding and constant member of Man Man, and he's also in the band Mr. Heavenly. In 2016, he released a solo album under his stage name, Honus Honus. Chris Powell and Jamie Robinson both started out in the bands Bent Leg Fatima and Need New Body, and they also both have solo projects. Jamie's is Buffalo Stance, and Chris's is Spaceship Aloha. Matt Gibson has been in several bands, and he still plays with the Extraordinaires. Billy Dufala has been doing sculptural art with his brother Stephen for ages, and he's the founder of Recycled Artists in Residence which aims to raise awareness of sustainability through the creative reuse of materials. In this first section, we'll hear several short clips in the following order. Greg Jamie, Chess Smith, Vice Cooler, author Joe Mino, Chess Smith, Vice Cooler, Matt Gibson, Billy Dufala, and back to Vice Cooler. I think we're kind of like weirdly loyal like to each other even though we kind of like hate each other sometimes we were like it, it's it's i mean it it definitely is the kind of band where at some point i don't know what point it was but at some point we, we all decided that it's like this band is these five people and that's what the project is it's not like um it's not an interchangeable thing it's it's a it is actually a band it's not like um you know, a, like a, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. Cause it, I, I feel like it's, it's very healthy for like the alchemy of any project to change. And if you need to like remove things or add things, that's, that makes a lot of sense. 
but for whatever reason, <laughs> I don't know. It's like there, there always seem to be these like these rule, these like unspoken rules, and I think it's just kind of like just like a weird loyalty that we have to each other as as the people that are in the band. I mean, we're always trying to change the sound, but the music when you, when you get to working on that. You know that that's where the I guess the abstract character does come in because it starts. You know you can really go for this idea, and usually it gets blurry somewhere along, and it comes out. For me, you know, maybe I don't have control enough as a composer yet, but it, it just comes out differently. You know, than than what I intended. You know, you can't get to that pure idea. You know, like you can in writing text. I mean, I mainly a lot of the stuff I've written probably all of it like people just approached me about writing about the subjects because um because i think uh the people who have approached me they know that i'm like you know i might know i might be friends with this person or like i i really understand what this person's history is or whatever like for example like id the ooga booga article they wrote me specifically because they 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 were like, yeah, we've read, uh, we've read a lot of like articles about Ooga Booga and the people who write about it don't understand it or its history. But we know that you, you've known Wendy for a while and like, you know, all of her bands and like, kind of like what led to Ooga Booga. So could you write an article? And, um, any, anytime you're approached about writing about anything, it's, it's, um, it's a bit frightening because you know, people are going to read it and, and take it as like complete fact and, uh, reference it other articles might reference it and like historically it's like a document um so uh i'm always worried about misrepresenting something or um not covering all the bases i should cover or as someone who like is ooga booga like being someone who's like yeah totally i've been into wendy's stuff everything she's done for like 15 years being but then being like uh the way i understand it am i going to be able to translate you know because when you're writing it you you might write a, a sentence referencing something that you know that maybe not everyone else knows, but then you don't even think about it because uh, because you're in your own head. So so it's really it's really scary. But I mean, I kind of only write whenever I have time to do it. I haven't had that much time in the past few years. Not a writer. I, I didn't do good in English in school. Like um, <clears throat> when I write an article, like I have to re-edit it like 50 times, you know, uh, before I turn it in because, uh, I'm just not good at writing, but, but, but my strength is that I, I, uh, I, under, I, I agree to something because I understand it or I think I understand it. Um, so that's maybe a strength in a way that that's more important than, um, than my grammar technique or whatever. Um, but I feel like that applies like all around the board it's like if you if you have the ideas uh creatively for anything that's more important than technical aspects of it you know like that the editor can make it technical you know yeah. um which is usually what happens i just turn in a mess and then the editor makes it coherent <laughs> you know <laughs> i like having an outlet for writing that you don't feel like you have to pour like all of your heart in that you work really hard on it but it's not like this is the thing that 
is going to make me as a human, you know, it's like, this is the thing that you really love and enjoy. You love writing, doing interviews or writing about bands or books, but that, um, there's some pressure off of it. And because maybe it is collaborative, you don't feel like this is this thing that's going to define you or your life's work is less. And it, so it feels like a little more commercial because you get, you know, pays a lot better than fiction or did. And um, it feels a little more mercenary. Like I write for Chicago Magazine here, and they'll send me like a a query, and, and I always say yes because you know they pay like a dollar a word. Like I never get paid a dollar a word, man, for, for any you know fiction I've ever written. So yeah, I, I think it's good for a writer to be able to exercise both of those skills simply because it helps you pay your rent. It also thinks it. Like you said, it makes you a little more open to criticism or to working with an editor. Even as a fiction writer, you find, you know, there's definitely moments where an editor is getting involved and looking at your sentence structure and things like that. And so, because I did a lot of nonfiction writer writing, it just felt really natural to me. I actually just had to write a proposal about this band that I have called These Arches. It's like a more of an improvising quartet. It really... I found it really helped me to to um, have to write about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like just write what I'm trying to do in, in writing for that band, you know. Like, yeah, definitely. It helps me to to put it in words and see it, and then you know, edit those words. And I feel like that applies to to everything creatively. Like, if you're doing anything that's keeping you thinking like that, you you start thinking that way with like anything, you know. Everything becomes. Uh, a refined process and, and it's good the, the more stuff you do like that the better I, I feel and with videos I, I don't have a, a a trained background in it like I don't I don't know any of the technical stuff or anything my strength with videos is that I've I've been in bands long enough where I, I've done a lot of videos and I kind of know in, in the past from like mistakes that have been made by other people I've worked with like and the, the good things from working with them too, like what's really good and what's bad. And, you know, like I try to pay attention to everything because um, everything, if you're, if you're making something with somebody, even if you've never done it before, you're going to probably do it again. So it's good to just like take mental notes, you know? So, I mean, I kind of learned that way, but, but it started off like the video stuff just started off when we we're in Alabama, we we're making video collages to kind of like help, promote the band in a way like people would see the videos and then want us to play shows based on like because the videos were just getting passed around like people are just copying them you know it's like 10th generation like live video. videos or yeah just live collages um uh, one of them actually is for Ren at Lost Weekend in uh San Francisco um but like you know and it was also a way just to kind of document it because the the band was live was moving forward at like such a rapid rate like every tour like outfits were changing like members were changing like our things that we would do would change the songs would change and so it's a way of just like kind of documenting that time and so um i was doing like those like not looking at it as anything artistic just as like so, uh, is making a product to like promote the band or have people like it wasn't even to promote it it was more of like we'd make it with the intent of uh yeah, this will get people really excited. People who can't see it can see it. 
you know, they can get a summary of it, you know, it wasn't even anything with like a business mind or anything. And, um, but so then, and my, my directing started off just as a necessity because I didn't have the money or funds to, to have other people do it. Before joining up with the man, man dudes, I just played with a lot of different people. Um, and I know Jamie's had Buffalo stance for a good, like 10 plus years now. Um, and that's like came from, you know, back from like the need new body days and maybe even right before that or something. I have no idea. But uh, I was playing, and I'm still, I'm still trying to play with the, you know, the, you know, the bands that I was playing with before, um, like Buffalo Stance and the Extraordinaires, and um, uh, Lux Perpetua. But usually, if Man Man's doing something, that kind of takes the uh, precedence. So, yeah, I mean, it's priority for, and it has been for for several years for me, um, just because it's the it's the kind of thing where like you know. It's, it's, it, it's, it's what you're expected to juggle around in order to make room for. And I, I feel completely, I find, I'm fine with that. Um, I don't have any other musical projects, so that, although I dream about it <laughs> all the time. Um, and the, the funny thing is like right now there's a drum set there. And prior to our last tour, there was the, the vibes um, the vibes were set up so there's like a drum set with the vibes coming across the middle and then there's like a, a little table with the baritone sax and then I had my flute and the bass clarinet and I just and the accordion and I was working on these things where I'm trying to play the accordion and the drums and I tuned the drums so like the bass line is the drums and then there's the melody and like so you do the beat the bass <laughs> and the melody at the same time but it's like one of those things it's if, if if I didn't make sculpture with my brother and we didn't have our artistic practice, yeah, I'd probably be in another musical endeavor. But for me, it's 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 making art and collaborating, um, like with visual arts and stuff. Um, I mean, I kind of look at all this stuff as like a tree, you know. And there's like, yeah, there's like roots in XBX or X because it was our first band that like toured and put out records and stuff, but it's like it's branched out a lot especially over time with all the members and stuff and i wouldn't i don't know like i i, and I don't even like when people put like members of by anything because um it, you know it could be you know like people business-wise that we've worked with have argued that xbx or x isn't the priority you know that, that other things are so that would make in a way xbx or x the side project technically if you were looking at it uh from a technical standpoint standing point but i i don't i just think it's just like it, there, there's ideas people have and um everyone who's been in the band it's like you you have ideas and some work for the band and some will totally not work and and so it's more of like a filtering you know it's more of like it's more of like a, a bunch of ideas and then having like a good enough filter to be like that would be dumb to do that in this band like it just wouldn't work it'd be it's not consistent with the the uh, the history of the band or like what's currently the main creative output of the band, you know, like um, and some bands don't have that. And I feel like the the band creatively suffers um, because it's it's just too inconsistent. Um, it's too it's too much. to It's like it's like writing a book and you have like a Harry Potter chapter and then the next chapter is um 
you know, like some like philosophy or something. And then the next chapter is like Sesame Street or, you know, Dr. Seuss or something like and the next chapter is all haikus, you know, it just wouldn't you wouldn't be able to read it, you know. And so it's like what an author would do is be like, this is going to be the Dr. Seuss thing. This will be the haiku thing. This will be, you know, the like horror book and this will be the like the fun adventure book, you know, um, that's what like a good filter does. And so. Um, I feel like we're just, you know, we're just all writing different books with all these ideas that we're, you know, and, and we're all just like working on these ideas. We're just expanding them that, you know, um, so it's just that that's the way to like let let those seeds grow properly. You know, it's like to let let that tree grow over there. You know, it doesn't need to grow with like the apple trees, you know, right. you know, and, and so it just keeps things in order, I think, and, and gives them like a healthy space to like grow into something else you know or to just die like you know it's like we have a lot of things we've done where it's like one show or like one seven inch or like one tour and then it, and then it just lays to rest and that that's fine too because it's like you know it's like you're, you're just feeling everything out In the next section, Chris Powell and Jamie Robinson talk about the end of their band, Need New Body. And then we'll hear from Joe Mino and end with Drew Daniel. We we stopped playing because we just couldn't get along. Um, we imploded. It, yeah, it just imploded. We It just, it ended up being... Um, we just had a hard time keeping it uh, keeping it together for, for a live show. Um, basically, you know, there, there are definitely personal issues among the band, personal issues. There were definitely some, um, you know, now, you know, years later, uh, thinking about it, it's, um, there, there were some, there were some definitely, definitely, uh, some music, um, there was some direction issues, uh, where to take it. Which seemed kind of strange because we it was a big hybrid mix of of everything, so there were there there did at the end there there started to be a little bit of uh, issues with musical direction strangely because um, it was a anything goes type of band, but uh, but really it just we we uh, we did more uh, talking and arguing about uh, uh, about the band than actually playing and and you know coming up with music and recording and performing and all that so so it ended up being um you know we needed to we needed to cap it basically or else uh you know it was it was starting to become bad for our health mental and physical health so i think in hindsight i think a lot of bands have that where they have their sort of right time at the right place and they sort of get a creative heyday and then once you do that, then it's different because you've already you've done it, and then it becomes a matter of like, well, we can do anything we want, but how do we do? You know, that was successful. How do we continue to do that without, you know, referring to what we once did? It's a whole different game. Once you're, I mean, we had a few records out by our last record. We weren't really talking to each other very well, so it was. Uh, I think it just ran its course, I think, with that group of people, you know. And then you think, well, we could change up the people, and, but then it's not the same creative band anymore. And then, So I think, I think there's just each band has its own 
you know. And there's there's a list of bands that people wish broke up at some point, you know, hmm. because they had their great records and then they're still around, but they're not really, they don't have much to say anymore. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, or, or at least I, I've always respected artists who, who can see that and can call it and yeah. can just can just cap it and just say, you know what, that's, you know, and they're basically uh, artists who are comfortable with, you know, put, right, putting a cap on the project and saying, great, that was that, what's next? Yeah. Instead of uh, holding on to it, thinking that this is their only way they're going to, um, you know, get recognition or express themselves or, you know, just kind of caught up in a routine because so many people, um, you know, it's on both ends, so many people carry on and, and uh, make you know, they'll, they'll end whatever band it was and start up something new and it'll be fantastic. Or, um, you know, other, other times though, people will just keep doing the same thing and, and you just kind of fade into not doing, you know, really, uh, it just becomes not interesting anymore, you know, and, it, and it's obviously had run its course and, um, you know, but I, I think it's, I always respected people who can, who can just say like, yeah, you know what, that was that and uh, move on to something else that's awesome, you know, even if it's not, you know, even if it's just, uh, yeah, not having nothing to do with music, you know, it's, it's, it's well, I great. Think in some ways, you'll never go back to that time again, as it is with all life, you know, you'll never be a child again, you know, you'll never be a soccer star on your high school soccer team or whatever again, it's just... Yeah, so might as well make work, yeah. work related to what, what is going on currently in your yeah. life, because that'll, I, I, I feel that that would, uh, it, that would be your, your most genuine work, you know, I mean, it's, you, you, you know, that you, you take from, most people take from, from what they, they experience, and if all of it changes, for example, with with a uh, new body, if it was all starting to change for everybody and everyone's interests were going elsewhere, um, then it makes sense to, to, to stop it and, and for everyone to just go on and explore all of that and do, just do something else. That being said, there's many things about the old band that I miss, you know, even though it, it can't, it can't happen like it, ever, like it did. There was a lot of stuff that I, uh, actually, you know, strive to recreate in my yeah new, there was a lot of experiment life. it was actual like real genuine experimentation you know i know that there's um there you know experimentation gets used very uh loosely these days and i i uh, strongly disagree with that because i don't think people really they think they're experimenting because someone you know maybe said that they're experimenting but they're not experimenting you know if you show up and you write a song uh you know if <laughs> if you write a song and it's like here's the Here's the chords, here's the lyrics, let's just write a few parts on top of it. That's not experimenting. That's writing a song. Yeah. That's, you know, completely different. You that's know? being and creative, that's, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's I'm experimenting but, but it's, you know, with my creativity. It's, it's, right, right. Yeah. A Need New Body was experimental in that we actually were like, what if we did this, this, and this? And it would fail miserably. And, you know, on this on stage, we'd be like, it was one okay, of the beautiful things about the live show. Let's play this song it. backwards. We'll play half the band will play this song. Half the band will play this song. And sometimes it would be awesome and you would get to new horizons, which was the idea. But it was a worthwhile uh, bet. Yeah. You it, know, would, it was it worth would, rolling the dice. Because, yeah. you know, e even those nights that you would... That uh, those those experiments would uh, you know would uh, f fail miserably, and 
everyone would get to experience it with yeah. us. <laughs> um, on the flip side, there was something so magical about when it worked that I still haven't experienced in in any other group right. uh, since. Which is which you know kind of you know well what you were saying is I you know I do miss that. Yeah. Um, I do miss it, but also at the same time, it's it's nice to uh, once again try something else. It's really interesting that the response to all all of my books have been very different. And they're very kind of different tones to each book. And the way I approach each of those books is almost like the way I approach different kinds of music. You know, like Her Sales of Dan is clearly responding to like punk music of the 80s and 90s, Black Flag and Minor Threat and the Misfits. I wanted to write a book that had this kind of raw, unabashedly kind of male quality to it. And then with The Boy Detective, there were bands like Chicago's um, The Cocktails, which featured Archer Pruitt and, and those guys who are known like The Sea and Cake and also Bell and Sebastian. This kind of softer, more orchestral weird, even cartoony sounding music. Uh-huh. And then with The Great Perhaps, I knew right away, as soon as I started writing it, that the music or, or the mood was going to be the White Album by the Beatles, and I wanted to have this huge, almost ridiculously ambitious scope to it that you cover like all of 20, you know, the way the Beatles did, they cover like all of 20th century pop music pretty much in, in this double record, and so that's how I wanted the book to feel where it's all the Beatles has you know they have four different voices four different singers and so this family has five kind of very distinctly different characters different chapters and that expands all this history and time and there's like moments that are really funny and like ridiculous and then there's like these serious social moments about war and so what I've tried to do is just put out very different kinds of books one after the other so people are either going to love that book or feel like it's so different than the last one they almost feel betrayed by it or and 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 that's the risk that you run when you kind of switch styles book to book but the writers that i love are writers that do that you know there's writers like jonathan lethem kind of moves very different styles book to book or right even someone like richard brodigan or um Murakami, guys who aren't afraid to say, all right, this book is going to be very realistic, this next book is going to be completely surreal, this next book is going to be non-fiction. And that, to me, I feel like I'm still a young writer and I have a lot to learn, and that's the best way I can continue to learn is, okay, I did this, I'll try this thing. Like, I'll probably never write another book about a kid in high school <laughs> listening to music. Like, I feel like I did that, you know. Right. I'm less concerned about... It's just natural, I think... People read a book first, and, and they get excited about it, and they feel like, oh, I haven't read something like this before, and so they make an initial connection with it. The way I do with music, you know, like the first time you hear a band, you feel like this whole possibility opens up, and that almost everything that comes after it is somehow a disappointment, because you... It, you don't have that first moment falling in love again. You know, it's very hard to find a band that outdoes themselves record. And there are a few, but most of the time there's these great bands that put out this one record and they kind of go on replicating it. Is it rock music or is it all forms of art that you have this kind of romance model of the initial falling in love with an artist and the thrill of mis- and mystery of like, what are they really like and what are they going to do next? And then as familiarity sets in, there's a feeling of like, well... 
we've seen you do this, 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 and this before. So even if you're doing this incredible work, like I don't have that first kiss feeling, you know? And, and sometimes the way that art, the, the things art does to us say a lot more about our inner life emotionally than about what's in the art, you know? The art is kind of empty and we're, we're pouring stuff into it and then we think, oh, all this stuff is in there, but it's not, you know, it's in you. Thank you for listening to this special Weird Music series of the Talking Writing Podcast. You can find the full Weird Music album on Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, and elsewhere. Links to these are in the associated notes. To support Talking Writing, myself, and the podcast, you can now subscribe to the Talking Writing Substack, my own Substack, or the Talking Writing Podcast on any of the supported platforms. In addition to supporting these artistic endeavors, subscribers will also receive bonus material, starting with four bonus episodes of the Weird Music Podcast, and upcoming extra content from the Talking Writing Podcast interviews.